Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely, incontrovertibly, I always wanted to say that word, in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is. I have a quote here from a Wired.com story recently from a young lady named Rachel Botsman. If you haven't heard of her, she was a former director at the William J. Clinton Foundation. She has spearheaded public-private partnerships with Nickelodeon, Rachel Ray, and the NBA, and she's the author of Who Can You Trust? How Technology Brought Us Together and Why It Could Drive Us Apart, as well as What's Mine Is Yours, How Collaborative Consumption Is Changing the Way We Live. Here is the quote. Listen carefully. Where does the average Joe store their money? In a bank's current or savings account or a safety deposit box. But... The blockchain to become a new repository of value. So keywords here are money, bank, and blockchain and value. So let's talk about this. Blockchain. You've heard of it. We've talked about it on these shows, on many of our Game Changers series over the past year. It is redefining how we transact in the digital world. What's so special about the digital world? We need digitized trust. We have to have it in order to transact. Is blockchain catching on? I have a note here from a World Economic Forum. That's a WBF, well, WEF, excuse me, recent research. They found that 58% of tech executives expect 10% of their global gross domestic product, that's 5.3 trillion with a T, to be stored on the blockchain by 2025. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers. So our big question today is, are startups paying attention to this blockchain phenomenon? Hmm, that's all I have to say. Let me tell you who our experts are today. We're going to find out. In a moment, I'll be introducing you to Drew Hingarani. He is the CEO of a company called AI-Blockchain. So that's AI-Blockchain. And he will tell us a little bit about his company in a few minutes. Joining us also is a returning guest, Peter Ebert, Senior VP of Sales and Business Development at CryptoWork. You want to look them up. It's C-R-Y-P-T-O-W-E-R-K. Get that right. And joining us also is Andreas Fischter, F-I-C-H-T-E-R, if you want to look him up at SAP. And we'll find out about his role a little bit later. So let's go around the table to Mr. Drew Hingarani. And Drew has sent us a quote from Jillian Michaels. Jillian has never been quoted on the show, Drew, so I was very happy to see her name. American personal trainer, businesswoman, author, TV personality, best known for her appearances on The Biggest Loser. Uh, She has her own reality TV show. She's a personal trainer and a black belt, etc., etc. Here's the quote. It's not about perfect. It's about effort. And when you bring that effort every single day, that's where transformation happens that's how change occurs. Drew Hingarani, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for inviting me, and uh, thanks for reading the quote. <laughs> we are delighted. Talk to me about the quote. We're talking blockchain. We're talking trust. We're talking startups. What in the world does Jillian Michaels' quote have to do with that? Well, you know, I think it's four key words. It's the perfection, the effort, the transformation, and the change. And I think the quote's interesting because it reminds us to just consider the messenger and hearing Mike 
hearing Michael state that, it's not about perfect, you know, doesn't endanger the confidence because anyone who knows her and seen her show would say that she's certainly about perfect. She screams perfect at people. Um, but, mm-hmm. but what really got me is that at AI Blockchain, you know, we know perfect out there. We strive for it. Um, my co-founders always dream big, which got me to work with them. And we never forget that it's not about an artificial mi- milestone, but it's really about the environment that we create and our products that we create to try and inspire the people that work for us to do their best. And so I think that the transformative definition really comes from building a unique and innovative effort for perfection. And that's really what got me around that quote. Thank you. And Drew, question for you. Are people waiting for blockchain to be perfect or is it already? Is it is it there? Is it good enough? And is it perfect? And is that good enough? Or does it have a ways to go in what I mentioned in my opening, trying to achieve digitized trust? What's your thought on that? Well, you know, I think it has the foundation for perfection, to be honest with you. I think Satoshi Nakamoto's original intent was to strive mm-hmm. for the technology to be used other than cryptocurrency. And I'm really glad to see that people embrace that nowadays, because when I first got into it, it was all about the altcoin business and Bitcoin. So really, you know, for me, I had to understand blockchain in the beginning back in 2014 when I first found my co-founder, Stephen Reed. And when I found him, I realized that he was striving to perfect blockchain and perfect Bitcoin. And he had done it using using Java and his, his code and how long he had worked on it. And when I found out what he did in removing the miners, the electricity costs and other things, I realized that blockchain has a way to be perfect, and I think that's mm-hmm. what Stephen wants, and he's following Satoshi's you know, path towards that. But I think the Bitcoin and the other blockchains that are public are, are really have some inefficiencies and, and scalability issues that I think are, are you know, what my co-founder created doesn't have. Yeah, thank you very much. Good reality check. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Drew, pleasure to have you on the show. And now let me go to our second guest, returning panelist Peter Ebert at Crypto Work. I already spelled that. And Peter has brought us a quote from J.K. Rowling. Oh, come on, everyone. You know who she is. Her full name is Joanne Rowling. She has so many letters after her name. I guess that's what they do in the U.K. C-H-O-B-E-F-R-S-L-F-R-C-P-E. I don't know what those mean. Writing under the pen names of J.K. Rowling. She also also writes under the pen name of Robert Galbraith. I didn't know that. She wrote the Harry Potter fantasy series, and she has lived a rags-to-riches life story. She was living back in the day on state benefits, and now she's the world's first billionaire author. That's right, billionaire with a B. Uh, her fortune is measured in pounds, so I don't know what that means in U.S., but in 2016, the Sunday Times Rich List ooh, estimated her fortune at $600 million, ranking her as the 197th richest person in the United Kingdom. There you go. And in 2010, she was named the most influential woman in Britain by leading magazine editors. So there. Here is the quote. Listen up. Anything's possible if you've got enough nerve. Woohoo! Peter Ebert, love the quote. How are you, Peter? And welcome back. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm great. Thank you so much. What does it have to do with blockchain? Uh, yes. Rolling. And I think, yes. <laughs> and I think if you see her in your inner eye, sitting there on her desk, and she's on state benefits, and her just. Her first child was just born. Her mother had died earlier. And just see her sitting in this situation. And now fast forward into the world that we see with her now. And I think that's a very good 
parallel to what we are going to see with blockchain. And uh, if, you, if you think about this one person that actually invented blockchain, uh, I don't know about the situation. It's very mysterious. You still don't know where that, who that person was. But I can imagine that they also started not in a, in a rich environment, but in a very uh, modest environment, and look at what already happened. And if you think about what, what is going to happen next, if you even think about last year all the billions that have been spent uh, in combination with blockchain products and blockchains themselves, I think it's just a very inspiring uh, quote, at least for me, to understand where we can go next. I agree. I, I almost think of this quote as a, as a mantra for life, if you will, Peter. I think about yeah. everything we've already all, each of us done. J.K. Rowling, you pronounce it Rowling, I pronounce it Rowling. Think of what we've all done to step outside the box, step out, step out of the safety. Think of uh, whoever, however, wherever blockchain was created, disruptive, innovative, OMG, seriously? Yes, it's catching on. Yes, businesses are taking it seriously. Yes, people every day, consumers will probably be using it. Yes, and somebody had the five-letter word nerve to propose it, to create it, and to get it to catch on. I think that's that's probably, to me, the byword for all kinds of innovation. Anything's possible if you've got enough nerve. And, and Peter, we don't usually talk about nerve. In my language, it's chutzpah. We, we usually talk about, um, we, you know what I'm talking about. We usually talk about uh, you have to have the... Um, you have to have the vision and you have to have the passion and you have to have the the education and you have to have the ecosystem. And she just comes right down, breaks it down to a very human term. You've got to have enough nerve. Peter, great quote and thank you so much. We'll be talking a lot more to you. And now let's bring on our third panelist, Andreas Fischer at SAP. And Andreas has sent us a quote from Bill Gates's book, the Road Ahead from 1996. Anybody doesn't know who Bill Gates is? He was the uh, richest person in the world for all but four years from 1995 to 2017. Uh, the book is was written by him at the time. He was the CEO of Microsoft together with, and he wrote it together with executive Nathan Mirvoid and journalist Peter Renierson. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Let me tell you the quote. Let's see what Andreas thinks about it. Quote, we always overestimate the change that will occur in the next two years and underestimate the change that will occur in the next 10. Don't let yourself be lulled into inaction. Great quote. Andreas, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. We're delighted. Talk to me about the quote. First, tell me what's your full title at SAP because I don't have it. What do you do? So I'm, I'm part of our Innovation Center Network Group, where we work on the incubation of, of blockchain. And in my role there, I'm being part of the business development and customer engagement there. We're working with a lot of our big customers, partners, and also startups. Thank you very much. I knew it had something to do with blockchain. Okay, so tell me how you picked the <laughs> quote. Very, very interesting quote. Go ahead, Andreas. Sure. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it, it fits the, the blockchain market out there quite nicely because I think there is still a lot of hype there right now where people really have a lot of hopes in blockchain, which I think is good, but also a lot of expectation, which I'm not sure if they will be met, at least in the short term. But that's where the two-year thing is coming in, because right now people try to solve pretty much any problem with blockchain, and they expect it to solve world hunger or something like that. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that will play out. Um, but on the other end, I think as, uh, blockchain has a lot of potential, and then people most likely will underestimate what's, what's possible in the next 10 years, because 
um, people tend to think linearly, but technology usually um, uh, expands uh, exponentially. So I think there will be a lot of things that will come in the next 10 years of blockchain and, and the world will, will change quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure if you even know what all those will be, but I think mm -hmm. it will be uh, definitely an exciting 10 years ahead and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, I, I think, yeah, go ahead. Part of the, the last part of the quote, I think it, it's really uh, important that you still don't say, okay, if I cannot do what I want to do right now, I will just don't do anything. I think it's actually important to start, get started right now and fully understand the topic and, and see its potential by, by actually doing something. And you know what, uh, Andreas and Peter and Drew, at the end of the show, I'll save about 60 seconds for each of you to give me your predictions. So we will be seeing what you each, as ex as experts on this particular panel, what you think is coming down the pike. And we can go 10 years out if you want to. We usually go 2020 or 2025. We can go 10 years out. So maybe that will be our prediction crystal ball today. So let me circle around the table to Drew Hingarani at AI Blockchain. Drew, three questions. Where are you calling from? Number one. Number two, what powers you? I know you're smart and energized and very passionate about your work and your company. What's the beverage that powers you or makes you the happiest? And number three, why don't you give us the 90-second top-down on what your company does? Drew, go ahead. Sure. I'm, I'm actually in uh, our Hoboken, New Jersey offices. Oh. And, uh, yep, drinking uh, sparkling water. In Europe, they say water with gas, as I learned recently in a trip back from Germany. And uh, sure, do you want me to get into the company a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Um so uh, we started back in 2014. I had done a search on LinkedIn. I've, I've been a technical recruiter for 22 years in Manhattan. And when Bitcoin first started, I kept my eye on it. But it wasn't until five years later that I really started taking notice and found someone on LinkedIn named Stephen Reed because I'd done a search related to Bitcoin and wanted to see who was out there trying to start companies. And he was one of those people in my in my searches. And so I quickly called him, and, and we met in October of 2014, had breakfast at a conference he was speaking at with Charlie Lee, Tim Draper, and a number of other people in the industry. And uh, it was a fantastic breakfast meeting because by 8.30 a.m. we were partners. And so oh. we quickly built – yeah, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> wow. and it's been great ever since. Um, Stephen and I have become very, very, very close friends, and we have now close to 50 people in the company since that day. Uh, so I've been recruiting people nonstop, but what, what I've found – to be wonderful about Stephen was what he created. And to me, he is as smart as some of the top blockchain people that most people know about, only he's the hidden treasure, and I'm lucky to have him. What he's done is taken the kinks out of the blockchain technology and the disadvantages of it, and he's scaled it up to be able to use it into 2 million messages per second and handle over 1,000 transactions per second and done a lot of things that I haven't seen done out there with our competitors, and so it's exciting to see him implement our Java code into technologies such as cloud and databases and other software products. So it's exciting to get uh, these products out to market in 2018, and I look forward to doing so with him and my team. Very interesting. Thank you so much. We're delighted to have you on, and I, I took a sneak peek, of course, at the notes you sent me, and we're going to do a little bit of a primer or primer 
growling or rolling, however you pronounce it, on and what blockchain actually is and how it works in case anybody doesn't yet know. And there's so much to learn. Thank you, Drew, and welcome. Peter Ebert, you're returning to us. We'd love to know where are you today? What are you drinking that powers you up? And why don't you refresh our memory about what crypto work is all about? Peter. Uh, happy to. In, in my home office, actually, right now. And uh, I'm drinking a very fresh, organic, sparkling cider, and I love it. So um, mm. about crypto work, uh, <laughs> about crypto work uh, also can go back a couple of years when uh, my very good friend and co-founder of crypto work told me for the first time about a genius idea, uh, how to scale blockchain. And uh, as we all know, there, is, uh, there are some, some of these issues still, particularly on the public blockchains, and that really caught my eye. And then fast forward uh, today, we can really say uh, we have this, this magic touch where we can make uh, blockchain interoperable, scalable, and affordable. And these are essentially, the, the, is essentially in my eyes, the, the biggest uh, possible um, value that we can provide to our customers. So we don't focus on the hype topics, uh, all the cryptocurrencies, uh, we think a little bit beyond in all the other digital assets that are out there, be it contracts, be it passports, whatever it is, that in the future is digital, which is pretty much anything and everything, <clears throat> excuse me, and will be on the blockchain. And that's what we are working on with our customers. Very interesting. Thank you very much. And now let's go to Andreas Fischer, also a newcomer. And Andreas, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? And you already told us a little bit about your role. So we just want to know what powers you to be able to do a full hour on here with me and with Peter and with Drew. Go ahead, Andreas. Sure. Um, So I'm here in our Palo Alto offices in California and I'm more of a coffee person, so I usually like to have my coffee in the morning. Um, usually I go for like a plain cafe latte with some vanilla creamer, but for days like these, I have something special in my drawer. I have the four semantic mushroom coffee with lion's milk <laughs> and chaga mushrooms. So wow. that's something for you, Bonnie. I think, I don't think you're going to need it, but it's, it's definitely something, something really good. Um, oh, go look it up, please. <laughs> I did. I did already. Are you serious? By adding dried matsutake mushrooms that have been boiled and liquefied into an extract, mushrooms can be cooked to reap the health benefits. The resulting coffee contains extra nutrients and minerals. Is that the one, Andreas? Am I right? It sounds about right, yes. So it's actually it actually has less caffeine than a regular cup of coffee, but it's considered a superfood, so... It's supposed to enhance the cognitive capacity. So whatever is happening on this show today, I will just blame it on the coffee. (laughs) I have to tell you, I think about 1,000 shows, about 4,000 guests, 200 live shows a year. I think this is the first. And I challenge my panelists before when we do our prep calls to bring me like a gift, bring me a new beverage I've never heard of. Andreas, I think you are the first to debut the concept of mushroom (laughs) coffee. I'm just going to pass. I don't need any more nutrients maybe, but not energy. No, 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 no. I think we'll just say, you go, guy. You go. That's fine. Very, very interesting. We are talking about uh, trust is actually a good topic here. We're talking about blockchain trust and startups. I'm very pleased to be welcoming uh, two new guests and one returning guest, Drew Hingorani, if you want to look him up, H-I-N-G-O-R-A-N-I at AI Blockchain, and there's a hyphen between the AI and the blockchain. Peter Ebert returning from Crypto Work and Andreas Fischer at SAP. We have so much to talk about. You're going to learn a lot, I promise. 
Thomas. So we're going to go to break a little bit early so they can have a refresher. As uh, Peter knows and Drew and Andreas can only guess, they do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. (laughs) And we just, an hour ago, I did a brand new format for our Future of Cars with Game Changers shows. They asked me to experiment and divide the hour into two self-contained 27-minute shows. So I had two guests on part one, and we just slammed through the topic in 27 minutes. Then we closed out, ended the show, and came right back two minutes later with a brand-new episode for another 27 minutes with two guests. It was... um, very interesting. Let's say I have enough caffeine in my system, natural, to do this one too, and then I'm going to take a nap. So anyway, we're having a great time here, and we are on Startup Focus with Game Changers. Quick shout-out to my wonderful colleague, Christina Sosa at SAP, who puts these terrific topics and guests together for Startup Focus, and also to Manju Banzal at SAP, who I've known for years, who is the sponsor of this series officially. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. You're going to learn so much about blockchain. You're going to say, wow, let me add it. That's what I promise you. Okay, Aaron, our venerable engineer, take us out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag s-a-p-r-a-d-i-o now let's get back to startup focus with game changers Yes, indeed. Startup Focus is focusing today on two things with startups added into the mix. Blockchain, 
trust and startups. What are startups doing about it? We have two of them on the panel with us. Drew Hingarani from AI Blockchain, Peter Ebert from Crypto Work, and rounding out our panel is Andreas Fischer at SAP. So we are going to do, I promised, a little intro, Primer Primer 101 on what in the world is blockchain. I've invited Drew Hingarani to share his knowledge with us. We're going to talk, he's going to talk about number one, distributed ledgers, that's blockchain and how they work, and he's going to pull into that conversation a little bit about public versus private blockchains. Drew, I'm going to give you three minutes. It's all yours. Sure. Yeah, let me get into uh, distributed ledgers and how they work. So basically, blockchain platforms all work the same basic principle. They're, they're distributed ledgers. So imagine your checkbooks register and you enter deposit or withdrawal, so you're keeping a run, running total tab on what you have in your account at any given time. Now, consider if every time you enter something into the checkbook, it's like adding a block. So if you make a transaction, whether it's, you know, something you purchase or, or, or deposit or withdrawal, each one of those could be a separate block. So every time you add a transaction, you could have multiple transactions into one block or just keep them separate. So if you're being diligent, you're balancing, recording your transactions into this register, you're relying on the bank to do the same thing. Now, what happens if the bank is corrupt and something happens where there's an error at the bank or a deposit isn't recorded? Now that distributed ledger removes that trusted, per, you know, trusted party of the bank from the equation. So now you can't trust that single entity. Well, these are inherent problems with traditional models like Bitcoin and Ethereum, but that's basically the way the blockchain technology works. And relating that to public and private blockchains, a public blockchain is going to be where all the participants of that distributed ledger can see what's happening in those transactions versus a private blockchain where it's only the recipients that you want to see those transactions. Interesting. Very, very. Do you get a choice when you go into blockchain? Do you get a choice and say, I want to be on a private or are you offered the opportunity to be on one versus that? How do you know? How do you know which one you're getting into? Sure. So with, with Bitcoin, you know that you're getting into a public blockchain. Everyone knows the transactions, and same with Ethereum. But for a private blockchain, that's where our company comes in. We're actually trying to implement our solution into companies at the software enterprise level to create private blockchains. Thank you very much. Let's get some commentary here from Peter Ebert at CryptoWork. Peter, anything you want to add to that description? Comments, please? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there is actually a trend, and uh, maybe to expand a little bit on uh, uh, what blockchain currently does, uh, it started off uh, with payments and uh, with numbers and number-based uh, uh, ledgers, distributed ledgers, but now it expands much more uh, into digital assets. So in the enterprise space, you can actually pretty much put anything, any digital asset, if you will, uh, on the blockchain. That's how we do it. Hash it, meaning uh, fingerprint this asset, and then put the fingerprints in these uh, various blockchains. Now, to come to a public versus private um, uh, uh, observation is on the public side, it's also that anyone can, can uh, it's also called permissionless uh, blockchain. So that anyone who can and wants to join technically can do this versus private where you really have a club, essentially. Uh, and that's very much um, what happened before in a traditional world where you have a club of people who know each other, typically who trust each other. And then so it's a very different context. And in the enterprise space, there's increasingly a trend 
uh, towards uh, including public in in the equation because it, it's much more open for bigger supply chains. Uh, it uh, removes a lot of complexity in terms of running blockchains, and also it's uh, safer because there's more copies uh, out there. So uh, any any block of that blockchain is always uh, multiplied and shared. That's why it's called distributed ledger. And mm-hmm. so you can uh, the more copies there are, the harder it gets to temper anything there. Very, very interesting. Quick question for you before we bring in Andreas. Uh, when I was at Sapphire Now for SAP doing mm-hmm. live broadcasting last year, uh, we, I talked to uh, several people, a couple of my mini interviews, they weren't full shows, were with people who were involved with blockchain. And the comment came up that you can trace every single handoff of a product from its origin, whether it's in a field or whether it's in a manufacturing facility. Every time it changed hands, you can trace that. Will this become bedtime? reading for people to look let's say you buy a uh, you buy a, a new uh, mug for your coffee and you want to see wh- where did it come from what country and who touched it and how was it sold by a middle person and uh, how was it shipped over to the US and how was it put into a store or online and how did that happen is this something we're going to be diving into almost like reading amazing true life stories peter <laughs> I think so at some point. I, I think of the term ethical supply chain, and that really registered with me because that talks about if you buy anything, uh, is it organic food, is it a piece of uh, uh, fashion, uh, you want to make sure that there is no child labor involved, that the, the raw materials were sourced in a, in a fair way, uh, that uh, you are actually not paying for a counterfeit and think it's the real thing. Right. So all these things are, from a consumer perspective, are going to play into this uh, vision or, 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 or uh, forward-looking statement that you just made. But then there's all the regulators worldwide and many different laws in various industries that actually increasingly demand end-to-end visibility, not just for where, uh, for where an item uh, came from, but every part that uh, was used assembling it and mm-hmm. uh, every event that touched this event. So w- when was it shipped? When was it delivered? When was it returned? Um, all these events, and, and that's where blockchain comes in because by automating this trust that you need to uh, store all these events with trust in, in embedded, you need blockchain. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Andreas Fischer, love to get your thoughts on this. Agree or disagree, add whatever you'd like. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest discussion is really this private versus public blockchain out of there. And I mean, what, what you hear in the news and see everywhere is really in the, in the public side of things, right? Bitcoin, Ethereum, that's what people are talking about. But of course, for the enterprise space, as we heard before, the permission blockchain space is way more interesting because um, companies want to come together and facilitate a use case and, and work together, but don't want to be exposed to like the public for that and, and work on things that everyone could join. I mean, there's, there's no need for that. Um, how this, will, this is where we are right now, I would say. How this will play out in the future, we will see. Um, I sometimes say it is probably a little bit of an intra versus internet discussion. Mm-hmm. There was a time where we said, um, my computer will never touch the internet, right? And today everything goes to the cloud. Um, I think as public blockchains will mature over time, we will probably see more and more use cases even for the enterprise space moving over there but it, it will just take time for the technology to, to really be fully functional and, and scale to a point that it can be used um, for an enterprise context. So that's why we 
currently see most of the use cases we are working on emerging in the permission blockchain space. Um, I think for the question you just had for the, the track and trace, I think, yeah, that's a, a really mm-hmm. interesting and, and good use case for use of blockchain technology in the enterprise space. And, and people, and like Peter said, regulators get more and more interested in those use kind of use cases. Um, and I think it, it's fairly easy to do something like this if you have digital assets already or if you have at least a digital record of those assets. Where we see things getting a little bit challenging is if you really sometimes want to um, track physical products, right? Especially, let's think about food, mm-hmm. right? Um, one yeah. tomato and the next tomato looks totally the same. So it's, it's really hard yeah. to distinguish them and say, where is this tomato coming from versus that tomato? So there's definitely some challenges that, um, coming back to the hype, blockchain itself will not solve, right? So you have to build the, the process on top of it to kind of gather that data. And if you have that data and representative, yes, blockchain is a good tool to put it in and distribute it among the whole network to get this end-to-end visibility. Thank you. I, I love the energy on this. Obviously, a very exciting topic. I'm going to move <laughs> around the table. Thank you, Andreas. I'm going to move around the table to Drew. Drew, we've had some interesting comments from your co-panelists. Anything you'd like to add on this before I move to something from Peter's notes? Yeah, sure. I, I love the uh, ethical supply chain comment, Peter. I, yeah. I think you're right. And, and, and touching upon supply chain and the tracking and putting a layer on top of it, um, I, I did, we did find we did a lot of research and we did find the tracking of food. But one of the things we found was uh, uh, way back in time, about 15, 16 years ago, an Alaskan airline jet went down. It was a McDonnell um, Douglas 80, and uh, the reason it went down was because the uh, maintenance guy took a uh, jack screw and put it into the wrong place, and so the oh. lubricants didn't didn't recognize the jack screw because the, the actual jack screw that was supposed to go in that slot had a different composite. But if you track the jet engine parts, which is uh, a use case we're talking to Rolls-Royce about currently, you can actually solve that problem using blockchain technology. So it's really the, the way to track it. And what we found is we partnered up with DocuSign to do it is that this comes in where they track the jet engine parts using DocuSign or another method, but then if you can relate that and put that into blockchain technology, now you have a solution for supply chain and the tracking of parts that could hopefully prevent a crash, and and a couple of these crashes have happened with the same maintenance issue. So I just wanted to touch upon that because it relates to Thank you. Well, that's real. we appreciate real-life case studies. This is what resonates with people, Drew. This is what people want to hear. As hard as it is to hear about airline crashes, we we want to know that there's some hope and that technology is certainly helping that. So thank you for that. And now let's turn to, oh, here's some interesting notes from Peter Ebert. He says, if you can afford, can afford to trust humans more than mathematics, you do not need blockchain. If you think blockchain, think the internet Internet of mathematical trust, bring faster, lower cost transactions in the future. So, talk to us. Mathematical trust is it all numbers game, Peter? Yes, and uh, that that is something at the heart of blockchain, where uh, the trust can be digitized, and that's very mm-hmm. different to the world that we all know, where we trust these big organizations, we trust these major major governmental agencies. Um, and in business, there's all kinds of business models where we have uh, latency and a lot of cost involved by creating the trust that we need to uh, transact business. <laughs> and now for, um, if, you, if you look at the context that we are in right now, and obviously we can't, can't look at blockchain just in, in terms of blockchain, but what's happening all around us is a lot of fraud. 
and there is there is fraud in the system in various industries, and sometimes it's accidental. Uh, as Drew just, I love I love your example, Drew, because that is also resonating a lot with me as an aerospace engineer by heart, and also as an industry that we are talking with as well. Uh, is this this uh, fraud where you have parts that are very expensive? In this, uh, let's take this aerospace uh, engineering um, example that are very expensive, that are being swapped out of one plane into another, and then suddenly you have a part that didn't come from where you thought it would come from. It didn't and doesn't comply with the quality metrics that, you, uh, that are required. And suddenly you find yourself with your loved one sitting in a plane where even if it's just five parts are not what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's very scary. And uh, that the same is true for enterprise software where um, increasingly we see things like deep fake uh, where (laughs) you look at an image, you look at a video and you hear somebody talk and you think you know who that is and it sounds and looks completely authentic, but it isn't. And that is scary too because suddenly the very foundations of our trust um, can be actually shaken by uh, technologies and Blockchain can come in uh, and can automate this trust. And so suddenly you are actually not dependent on trusting people. And as we all know, uh, trust is good, but uh, it's better to have something that is, uh, first of all, can be automated, but then second of all, is, is irrefutable or cannot be doubted true. And that's how we look at blockchain uh, to bring in this aspect, not all the other aspects. Don't reinvent the wheel. Don't mm-hmm. pretend for a moment that ev- everyone will settle on the same blockchain. <laughs> we see this. Andreas mentioned this in the cloud world. We see a big move towards the public cloud now, and that's uh, and and we see a lot of uh, diversity in terms of technolo- uh, technologies that are being applied. But at the heart of everything is trust. And if you think about business without trust. There is no business without trust, really. And so that's how we look at blockchain from a mathematical sense. And that opens up, I think, our imagination for the next years when we start getting this trust into the system, into the enterprise system, make it really easy to and affordable to use and scalable, as Drew said. Then I think we can, uh, we can see the next, uh, the next part of the future where this is playing out. So, okay, go ahead, Andreas. What do you All think? Right. Great. Agree or disagree? Yeah. Uh, well, I definitely agree that trust is the underlying um, component of what we are doing in business, right? You, you need to have trust in order to, to do business with others, and, and blockchain hopefully gets us to the point where we have even more trust and, and transparency in those um, systems. But it, also gonna, uh, it needs a mind shift, right? Because we are so used to those uh, central authorities right now when it comes to companies or governments, and I don't say blockchain will really um, get away with them or will remove them. I mean, that's not the point here, right? It's more about streamlining, um, having less third parties in certain scenarios where they really don't add value. So um, there's one use case um, we've looked into when it comes to, let's say, verify credentials, right? So um, mm-hmm. let's say you, you graduated from university and you apply for your first job and you want to... Um, the company wants to do, hire you, needs to do a background check on you. So they, they take all your, they, you send them all your resume and certificates, and the first thing the company does, they turn around and give all your private data to a third-party company to do a background mm-hmm. check on you. Um, so that's an, an example of where you have those third parties involved. 
where you they don't they add value yes but certainly on a high cost and also on a high um, latency because it takes a lot of time for them to to do those background checks where we think blockchain could be a way better way to have kind of this instant trust uh, where you can send someone a resume uh, and a certificate and they can instantly verify that you got your master's degree from Stanford or you got the, the right credentials to perform this job. Um, uh-huh. Think about contingent labor when you want to hire some service technician, for instance, that coming back to aerospace and defense has the right credentials to perform the maintenance on, on this airplane, right? Very interesting. Will this be used by universities when they're hiring, quote-unquote, professors? Will this be used by anybody in hiring anyone? Was that where the trust will go from blockchain? I never thought about it. I thought money. But in terms of validation, verification, following the human supply chain, if you will, Andreas, are there applications Mm -hmm. there too? Anybody? I mean, the, the underlying... The underlying concept, what we would call is a document proof use case, right? You have a certain document, could be a picture, could be a PDF that you want to prove it comes from a trusted authority or it existed at a certain point in time and wasn't altered. So that's that's one of the use cases. And you could apply this to, like, yeah, certificates of your life when it comes to resumes and and other things. It could be documents uh, or sketches for 3D printing and and many, many others. So that's some of the use cases we are currently looking into. Absolutely fascinating. I I wasn't even thinking about this. Let's go around the table. Drew comments on really interesting. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, so I think, you know, getting back to the question about the mathematics, uh, I think that gets into the algorithms, right? So so my co-founder, he's created a platform that eliminates some of those problems associated with existing blockchain implementations, and it's globally software enterprise friendly. So his goal was to eliminate the need for the exceptionally wasteful network of dedicated mining hardware and algorithms that consume electricity. And that's where he finds his system to be called algorithmically trustworthiness friendly. And so I think that's really the way he went with it to give us the scalability issues and get rid of those and handle more transactions per second based on the way he designed his blockchain platform. So I think you know, going into Bitcoin's blockchain, yes, there's algorithms, there's miners. In our situation, we've removed that to make it a better environment that has immediate settlement. Thank you very much, uh, Peter. Love to get your thoughts on this. Wrapping this one up. Yeah, uh, gladly. So, so we look at this a little bit differently. We see a lot of new technologies emerge, a lot of vendors out there that are building various blockchains with various advantages and disadvantages. So we really look at this from a freedom perspective to give essentially customers uh, a layer that they can use to use any blockchain at any time and actually also move between blockchains because, uh, as we all know, it's pretty early and there's a shakeout and it's not uh, to be expected that technologies will slow down, rather speed up. So we feel that customers will need a choice and be able to make sure their investment actually is future-proof and so we look a little bit different uh, on this, but uh, at the heart of it, we uh, absolutely agree in terms of uh, bringing blockchain in a scalable way, interoperable way, um, making it affordable in terms of the cost, because also Bitcoin is increasingly expensive. We're talking up to $30 per transaction. And if you think about that, that nobody can pay for this in the, in the scenario. And the document use case is actually a very, very good one. This is... Uh, think of any, any, anything that can be photoshopped, <laughs> can be tampered with, and you yeah. want to make sure that the document that you're looking at that is driving your decisions, and you can expand on this on the enterprise space, the analytics reports, a picture 
the the top executive report that comes in talking about the next quarter goes out to shareholders, and somebody doctored some numbers in there. Uh, that that's that's what should be prevented in the future. And so, um, the document use case I think is a very good one to understand where this is going. Very well put. I, I have a question for all three of you. The the research, the time that will have to go into this, I'm thinking of how the internet was built, how we ended up with Wikipedia. I use, when you send me quotes and other panelists for the shows, I use something called Quote Investigator. Do you know how many quotes are attributed to Albert Einstein that aren't his, to Charles Darwin especially <laughs> that aren't his? I spend hours at night looking this stuff up, but I have to go through this. It's almost like a blockchain for quotes. Whoever started Quote Investigator goes to, well, in 1903 this happened, and in 18. 42, and the first known evidence of this quote was in in, uh, in 18, 1893, and it was in the little Christian home paper from the corner supermarket, barbershop. And I mean, literally, they do all that. There is research involved. So uh, just a question, how will this develop? How long will this develop? And before you answer, I'm going to introduce a topic from Andreas Fischer's notes that I think will set this up well. This is a good segue, guys. This is a really good segue. (laughs) Andreas says, when it comes to blockchain technology, it is still early days. Things are not sorted out. There are no standards yet. Companies still try to find their space in the blockchain universe. It's such a nascent, meaning newly born industry. There are lots of opportunities for big companies and small companies. So, Andreas, why don't you use that to introduce the answer to my question? Who? How? How many years will it take for us to be able to have document and photo documentation, validation, getting rid of fraud, authenticity. Who's going to do the work? Andreas. Sure. Yeah, so I think it, it's, it's more on a use case basis right now. I mean, there's certainly some more use cases where something like this is, is more needed than others, right? When it comes to fraud in, let's say, uh, resumes or, or other things, or um, we have some use cases where you could use something like this for something like a bank guarantee, right? When you want to use a bank guarantee to do business, for instance, or give warranty to a company you're working with, um, where there's a lot of fraud and there's also high value behind it. I mean, I, I like your quote um, idea, but to be honest, hardly anyone going to pay money for it. And I think that's I know that. <laughs> at least in, the, in, in the beginning, right? In the beginning, Just me. that's what's going to be needed. Just me. Because... <laughs> Someone has to build it out and someone has to pay for all of this. Yes, and yes. of course, as the, as the technology matures over time, um, it shouldn't be a problem to expand it to other use cases but because we eventually will have the infrastructure to support all of that. Um, but it, it will just take time for that. Um, so in, in, in terms of um, yeah, different players out there, I think, yeah, it, it's still a new market, right? I mean, when we talk to customers, they are definitely interested in the topic, but they also don't really know, should I use this blockchain technology or that one? There's Hyperledger, Ethereum, multi-chain, Bitcoin, and whatever, right? Um, what should we even build on? I think that's it's still an, a really open question that a lot of people have in that space um, where we try to help our customers also find some guidance depending on the use case, what to build on. But nevertheless, there is no guarantee that those things will be around in a couple of years or that they will function the way they, they do today. So that's why I see it, it's definitely still an open market. Um, I definitely see that people or the people we talk to tend to like open source projects right now. I think that's kind of a big thing. I mean, those are the ones people know of and that comes back to the trust a little bit. I mean, if you want to build on the blockchain and this protocol, I think the protocol should be open as well, right? Otherwise, who, how can you trust the, the technology and the protocol if it's not open source? Um, so 
yeah, it's still interesting times out there, and it, we will see how this will play out over time. Very um, interesting. I don't think it's going to be an, a winner-takes-it-all kind of market where mm -hmm. one blockchain technology will, um, or protocol will win and, and there's no others. I think the market is big enough for, for many of them um, and there will be niche ones for certain use cases, but there will definitely be some um, uh, consolidation over time where we say, okay, there are certain things people will tend to use. Thank you, Andreas. I want to get Drew in on this. Let's see. We're just about at our crystal ball predictions round. Let me give Drew and then Peter 60 seconds each to comment on what Andreas just talked about, and then we will go back to Drew and dive quickly into our predictions round. So, Drew, thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think he's right. The market's big enough, big enough for many of these use cases. Um, you know, just like the Internet took time, Rome wasn't built in a day, a day and blockchain's not going to happen overnight, you know, because of just some magic pill. It's going to evolve and change and grow, you know, just like Wikipedia continually changes the knowledge and data. So will blockchains for their usage in everyday lives. It might take two years or 20 years before we see a fully digitized blockchain enabled life, you know, but if, however, you know, we're engaging in different use cases every day. I mean, here at AI Blockchain, we have ways to track identity and bring KYC into the picture. And we're trying to tie that into different healthcare situations being HIPAA compliant. And I think the use case is going to establish which blockchain industry picks and which one's the best scalable for that use case. That Thank sense. you. Was was that your prediction or should I come back to you for that? I'm teasing you. It's fine. Uh, Peter, you know, <laughs> if you want a specific use case, hey, I think there'll be a central bank somewhere that'll launch a digital currency for a country in the next five years. So that would be my... Already happens, yeah. I, I think I think Drew just gave us his prediction. So we're officially in the crystal ball predictions round. Thank you, Drew. Let's go to Peter Ebert at CryptoWork. Peter, you've got now, oh, you can have 90 seconds because we cut a little bit of commentary. <laughs> nice. 90 seconds. He knows how valuable that is. Go, go ahead, Peter. <laughs> Thank you. So, so I absolutely agree on the open standards. That's, that's going to be key. It's, I also agree uh, regarding diversity. There will be lots of different technologies, uh, various uh, and, and many different use cases. Um, at the end of the day, actually, uh, one thing that I wanted to bring in is the cost actor because, uh, yeah. uh, you know, obviously it costs uh, money to implement blockchains. Oh, yeah. But if you, uh, if you look at other technologies earlier, um, uh, like encryption, like uh, HTML even, in the beginning it was very expensive. And now that it's a commodity, it's being used everywhere. And the same will happen on the blockchain side. And I believe, still believe, firmly believe that this will be much faster than we all think. It will start in the areas that are high value. So, for example, on the certification side that we just mentioned, on the passport side, uh, things that are really uh, security-related, that are really expensive. Think of the background checks that are cost a lot of money and take a lot of time. That actually uh, takes out a lot of cost that can be implemented and, and reused on the blockchain side and actually drives business up and not uh, down. And so I think uh, by 2020, you'll see a lot of these scenarios that um, are um, much more proliferated than we now think um, uh, playing out. So at some point, you will actually not trust a document that is being presented to you unless it's uh, anchored in a blockchain somewhere. And so that's my prediction. Yeah, we will see as a consumer and then, of course, on the enterprise side, a lot, of, a lot more of these use cases where by uh, regulation and <laughs> by expectation, we can't get away with just having a paper uh, copy of something and, and believe uh, 
enterprises will trust us with this. Thank you very much. And Andreas, I saved 60 seconds. Well, I can give you 90 seconds. I'm in a good mood today. Go ahead, Andreas, please. <laughs> All right. Let's see how we can fill those. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, paper will be dead. I I'm pretty agree on that. I think everything will be going digitalized and pe- there will be a, a new expectation when it comes to, blo- um, to trust in, in those new digital records, um, how we conduct business over um, over the blockchain protocol. So um, probably we'll get to the point that people will say, why haven't we done this before or why was the world out there so complicated before, right, and in a new streamlined world out there. Um, so I definitely think, yeah, we will see first adoption, more adoption in the enterprise space when it comes to optimization in, in supply chains where people really optimize, but this will then go over into the consumer space because then you have this transparency when it comes to food safety and other things where people really can know where, where their products are coming from, for instance. And um, it will slowly trigger into other use cases as well, where people really have this expectation of, of blockchain being the new standard for trust. Thank you very much. Quick ending there. I have a prediction of my own. Uh, Drew, Peter, and Andreas, I'm going to send you an invitation to take this show on the road and bring part two to my flagship series, Coffee Break with Game Changers, in a couple weeks. Would you like to come back and join me for part two and more conversation? Please say yes. Absolutely. Yeah, Good. Good. This is way bigger than one episode. Thank you, Christina, for bringing these three together. Brilliant. The three of you have such wonderful energy and passion for the topic. I learned a lot, and I know our listeners will. Just about time for us to wrap up, so I'm going to simply say thank you to Drew Hingarani at AI Blockchain. Thank you to Peter Eber for coming back. Crypto Work, W-E-R-K, I got that one right, and Andreas Fischer at (laughs) SAP. Shout out again to Christina Sosa and Manju Bonzal at SAP, and thank you also to our wonderful engineer, Aaron Keller. At, at World Talk Radio, the business channel. Aaron, you've just got the nerves of steel to do this with us. I know I put you to work. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go on the blockchain and see how the fabric of the seatbelt was made and if it's really going to hold you when you go at 195 miles an hour in your whatever, Pinto. Okay, have a great day. Go out and be a game changer just like Drew, just like Peter, just like Andreas, and just like me. I'll talk to you tomorrow live 11 a.m. right here on the Business Channel with a brand new episode of Coffee Break with Game Changers, our flagship show. Be there. I will. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.